So if you can turn with me to Mark, the Gospel, chapter 10, we are going to read a couple of scriptures from Mark, chapter 10. So we're reading from Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Mark, chapter 10, verse 46. Now they came to Jericho... As he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out, all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbani, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So we read a scripture portion from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. And as we read the scripture, we really understand that the Bible talks about a miracle that took place when Jesus came into Jericho and as he was moving out of Jericho. You know, today as I was uh, preparing for this uh, sermon, I was really, you know, trying to read the scriptures with a magnifying glass to find out what the Word of God is teaching about. You know, sometimes when we read through such miracles, we go through such miracles and we read them as a story, as an incident that took place when Jesus was ministering. You know, as Jesus was ministering, there are many people, they got healed because of the ministry of Lord Jesus Christ, because that was the call of God upon the life of Lord Jesus, because he was sent to heal the sick. So I was trying to understand what really the Word of God is talking about. And this is what I found. I found certain characteristics of this blind Bartimaeus, the man who was blind, and those characteristics brought that miracle on that day. If I would have been blind, I would have been sitting at the side of the road, probably I would not have received this miracle. Unless I had these kind of characteristics in my life, the characteristics is that what Bartimaeus had in his life. And today I believe it is worth really taking some time to go through and understand what are those characteristics in the life of this blind man that brought a miracle in his life on that day. Who doesn't want miracle? Anybody doesn't want miracle? All of us want miracle, right? All of us want something to happen in our lives. All of us want blessing. All of us are in need of something from God. 
So it is worth taking a little bit of time to realize what was he and what was his characteristics. There are three characteristics that I could come out with from this blind man. And that's what we are going to talk about today. Number one, he was not willing to be what he was. He was not willing to be what he was. Can you say that with me? He was not willing to be what he was. And when he realized that Jesus is coming, Jesus is already in the town, and when he realized that Jesus is passing by, he cried out to Jesus, and this is what he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We see a blind man who was not willing to continue his life the way he used to live, and he was just expecting a change to take place in his life. And he did not want to miss this opportunity when Jesus passed by and he cried out to Lord God and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, I believe that blind man was not really comfortable sitting as a blind forever in his life. He was obviously, he was looking for some help. He was looking for a healing or he was looking for a miracle. He did not want to sit there for lifelong, but he wanted a change. And remember, Bible says he was a beggar. You know, begging for all the day in his life. From morning till evening. Only one thing he does was begging. Begging. You know, usually beggars, they really value their job. I don't know whether you value your job, <coughs> but beggars, really they value their job. Do you know that? They're really proud of their job. And what is their job? Begging. Begging. And they are really happy about their job. You know, sometimes we complain about our job. But you know what, beggars, they're happy. Have you seen the beggars in our streets, in the corners near the signal? They are very happy. They are not like us. They are much happier than us at times. I don't know who need to be called as beggar, right? <laughs> you know, at times they are very happy in their job. You know, they, they, they have a family and then family is sitting there and they come and beg and for some time and then they, they turn and they have, a, they have a pet with them most of the time and they have a good life too. And most of these beggars, they really honor their job and they really don't expect a change. If you call a beggar and tell him that tomorrow I'm going to give you a job, do you think that they'll come? No, they won't come. They don't want to leave their profession. They're really happy. They don't expect any change to take place in their lives. They're very, very comfortable in what they do. And what they do? They just beg. They just beg. That's what is their job. And today... You know, when you turn around and see people around us, those who are living around us, people are, you know, really longing for change in their lives. They want to change their jobs. How many of us are not happy with our job? Yes? Need to be honest. How many, how many of us are not happy? Yes? Yes? <laughs> Okay, so I think, you know, if I wait for some more time, you know, one by one, all the hands will rise. I'm not happy about my job. We all want to change. We all expect change to take place. We want to change their job. We want to change our dress style. Correct? 
Am I right? 100 percentage? Yes. So we all want to change our dress style, our weight, our car, our hairstyle. In, in fact, even color of the hair, we want to change. Right? We want to change. People around us, they are you know, waiting for change to take place in, our li- in their lives. And no one is really willing to work for the same employer more than five years. Five years is very difficult. We don't want to work for the same employer for such a long time. We want to change. Anybody will settle down for the same salary for two years? If your boss is not giving, if your employer is not giving you salary increment, do you really settle down? No. Either you will fight or you will quit. Whichever is easy. That's what we will do. Nobody is willing to settle down for anything. People are looking for change. Everybody is willing to change. You know, but at times what happens in our lives? We become comfortable with what we have. Like this beggar. He was very comfortable with the lifestyle that he had in his life. Before he realized that he is in need of a change. At times, you know, we become comfortable with what we have. Sometimes, you know, there are sicknesses in our lives. We become very comfortable. We get accommodated to that sickness. And we try to manage with that sickness. And we get used to that sickness. And we carry that sickness lifelong. We get accustomed to those things in our lives. At times, we become comfortable with our debt condition. We carry that all along. We never try to settle those things down in our lives. At times with the job, if we need to really find a new job, we need to upgrade our skills. Probably we need to take another course. And who has time to study now? I, don't, I, I'm, I already quit studying. We don't, want to, we don't want that to happen. Let me continue in the same job. We're not willing to change at times. But this blind burger, that day when Jesus passed by, he realized that this is the time for change. And I want to ask this question to you. Have you ever as a family sat together to take stock of the situation in the last year and list down those areas in which you want to bring changes in this year? Have you ever done any of the families? What went wrong? What went good during the last year? Probably these are the areas we need to change. Husband looking at wife and saying that, I need to change. And wife looking at the husband, I need to change. You know, today we visited a house and we got a beautiful testimony from that man. And he was saying that all that my wife needs is she wants me to change. She's just looking for some changes to take place in my life. And when she realized that my life has changed, she'll start following Christ. Now she's not a Christian, but this man is a Christian. And she said, he said, that's what she's waiting for, nothing else. She doesn't expect any supernatural miracle other than my life changing. And when that change comes in my life, she will follow Christ. And I'm working on that. Good testimony. I'm working on that. Have you ever sat together and find out what we need to change? What are those areas in our lives we need to change? Have you ever realized that God has a better way of living for us? Then the kind of life that we live today, a kind of routine life every day. Every day. When the week starts, when the week ends, just the same thing. 
running, people running here and there. Every day the same way of the same life hits us every morning when we get up from the bed. Have you ever understood, have you ever realized that God has a better thing for us? You know, sometimes we think that this is the only way to live a life on this earth. We never realize that there are better things that God can do to us. There are better changes that God can bring in our lives. We seldom realize those things. You know, changes are inevitable in the life of a child of God. You know, we need to be willing to change. All of us need to be willing to change. Can you say willing to change? All of us need to change. We are talking about this blind man who was sitting at the side of the road. And he was not willing to be what he was. He was just waiting for an opportunity to change. Lord, where is the time? Now, is it not your prayer? Are you not making this prayer every day to God? Lord, when is the time that going, that's going to come in my life? Lord, I want these things to change in my life, Lord God. Lord, I, want, I don't want to just handle with this anymore. I want you to bring change in my life, in my family. You know, as, a child, as children of God, we need to be willing for change. And I don't know what the change is, but I know what change took place in the life of this blind man. You know, Bibles often repeatedly recommend for changes. You know what, when the ultimate change will happen? I want you to read the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52. I'll read for you, and if you, once you get, this, or get it on the screen, probably you can read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52. You know, here Paul writes, listen to this. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not asleep, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. We shall be changed. Verse 52, 1 Corinthians 15. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. In these two scriptures we see the word changed is used twice. And when this change is going to take place, when the Lord comes. You know, if as a believer, if you are so rigid and say that, Lord, I don't want to change, probably when the Lord comes, you'll say, Lord, I don't want to change. I want this body because I love this body so much. Don't you love your body so much? Yes. I need this life. I don't want to be changed. You know, we are just going to hold on something and say that, Lord, I'm not coming. Sorry. Bye-bye. The change is going to take place in our life. The ultimate change. When the Lord God comes. So for that to happen in our lives, we need to be willing for a change. So the number one characteristics of this blind man that brought miracle on that day, that he was not willing to be in the same, same state. He was not willing to be what he was. He wanted a change. Number two, he was willing to lose the lesser for a greater. He was willing to lose the lesser for a greater. And when he realized that Lord Jesus is calling him, someone told, come on, blind man, get up. Jesus is calling you. And you know what he did? 
Bible says, throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. What he did? What he did? He just threw the garment and came running to Jesus. The number two characteristics this man had was willing to lose the lesser for the greater. Can you say that? Willing to lose the lesser for the greater. Moment he realized that Jesus is calling, he was not willing to hold on to his garments anymore. And usually, if you have seen a blind man, a beggar for that matter, you know, they will just cover themselves with multiple garments, right? Because of the weather condition, maybe, or because of insecurity, they just want to cover themselves with many, you know, many, many garments over them. So this is the next step that led him for a miracle. And what is this step? Willing to lose the lesser for the greater. I want you to think about Elijah. Do you remember Elijah from the Old Testament? The prophet, Elijah? Elijah was a very good man. He was a very, really, real hard worker. And he used to work in the field. And Elijah was really plowing a field on that day. Have you ever plowed a field? Any of you? You? Good, thank you. Right? I remember, I've not plowed the field, but I was, I was little, and then I remember, you know, holding that plow for a moment as the bulls were pulling that plow. Right? So plowing is not an easy work. You cannot just go like, you need to really press hard if the ground had to be really plowed. It's a very hard, tiring work. And Elisha was plowing the field. And he was really not a lazy man. He was a real hard worker. And how he was plowing, Bible says, who was plowing with how many yoke of oxen? Twelve yoke of oxen. You can't even do with one yoke of oxen. But he was having 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was such a great hard worker. And he was working really hard to meet the needs of his family. He was appreciated by his dad and he was appreciated by his wife, if he had a wife. And all the family members, they were all happy because he was a real hard worker, a great farmer. But when Elijah, Elijah passed by Elijah... And when the mantle was thrown on Elijah, what happened? Elijah's eyes were opened. And Bible says, he took one yoke of oxen and he killed that oxen and he burned the flesh of the oxen using his equipment. And he burned everything. And then what he, then what he did? He followed Elijah. Willing to lose the lesser for a greater. The blind man was willing to throw away all his garments, which was, you know, which, which was, which was covering him. And he was ready to walk behind Jesus, forward towards Jesus. You know, God is willing to give something greater, but we are holding on to something that is lesser. You know, God is willing to give us greater things, but we don't want those lesser things which are of no value, which we just bought right from Value Village. We are not holding that. We are just, we don't want to leave that. We are just holding those things in our lives. But God is willing to give something which is greater. 
You know, at times, it really doesn't matter what we are trying to gain, but it really matters what we are willing to lose. Did you get that? It doesn't really matter what we are trying to buy, but it matters really what we are willing to lose. You know, there is no point in, you know, piling up junk inside your house and you keep buying more and more. Now, I'm just giving a comparison. You're not buying. And if you think about a house that you just keep buying everything and pile up inside the house and they don't have a place to walk into the house, it's all fully junk. They can't have a good life because they don't know what to be thrown out. And what God is telling us this evening is, from this life of this blind man, are we willing to throw those things which we are holding on to? You know, as long as we hold on to those things, God cannot really give us anything. Some of the responsibilities that God wants to give you in the kingdom of God cannot be handed over to you until we hold on to those things in our lives. You know, I don't know what it means, but we know what we are talking about this evening. And God wants us to give those things. God wants us to let those things go. Some of those blessings that God wants to give in our family. I don't know what we are holding. We may be holding on to our character. I'm not going to change. I will be just like this only. Now we were trying to give a counsel to one couple when they got married. And uh, we were very sure before they got married, both of them need to change. Otherwise, it will not go together. How many of you experienced that? Yes? Okay. I saw one honest hand. Somebody is listening to the message. Right? <laughs> That's true. When we get together as a young couple, something has to change there in their life. So we counsel them. We said, you need to change. Both of you need to change in order to run this family together. And he said, no, I can't change. I will be like I am, what I am, and let her be like what she is. Thank God that family is still together, but they have struggle. Lot of struggle, too much struggle. And even now they are not changed. I think it's more than 13, 14 years now since they got married. But they are still together, but too much of struggle. Not willing to change. You know, when God wants to give us some of the blessings in our lives. The question is, are we willing to change? The breakthroughs that God wants to give in our lives, the financial blessings that God wants to give, the deliverances that God wants to give, the healing that's not happening still in our lives. Because we are holding on to something else which is of no value. You know, this evening as I speak, I may ask God, Lord, you would show each one of us, Lord, what are those you know, those low-value things that we are holding on to in our lives. Our proud, our arrogance, our attitudes. What are we holding on to, Lord? And if we let those go, things go, miracle will happen. Do you remember what Moses was holding on in his hand? The rod, the staff. The rod, that's what he was holding on to in his hands. And God told you would... Release that. Throw that down. Put that down. When the rod was thrown down, it became a serpent. Then God again asked him to take it. The miracle happened when the rod was thrown to the floor. 
What is that rod that we are holding in our lives? God wants that to be thrown. And this blind man was willing to throw, which is of low value, and he was willing to gain, which is of high value. What was the high value thing he got? The miracle. The healing. Healing. And that changed his life completely. Number three, the characteristics that the blind man had that brought miracle in his life. Number three, he was willing to look into the future. I want you to imagine a blind man. We don't know whether he is born blind or he was just made blind or he became blind because of some reason. We don't know. Most probably he was a born blind. And now this blind man, he was not willing to be in the same state forever. And he was willing to throw those things which is of low value in order to gain which is of high value, things which are of high value. And number three, he was willing to look into the future. Can you imagine how a blind man will have an idea about his future? You know, today we assume our future because we know what is happening in this world. We know the current trend. We know the current technology. We know how people live around us. We know, you know what it means to advance in our career. We know everything. With all these things that we know, today we plan and we look into the future. But this blind man had no vision at all. He had nothing to see in about his current life. He had no idea about the life that he was living because he was blind. But this blind man, the number three characteristics in his life, he was willing to look into the future. Can you say that with me? Willing to look into the future. And the moment he came to Jesus, Jesus asked him, Son, what do you want me to do? And he said, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. I may receive my sight. Willing to look into the future. He was willing to change, expecting a change to take place. And he was ready to throw the lesser for the greater. Now he is focusing into the future. Willing to look into the future. For a moment he forgot that he is a blind man. And he started looking into the future. That's the reason he asked, Lord, I may get my eyesight. You know, at times in our lives, we become very short-sighted. We don't want to look in ahead of us. We don't want to look in front of us. We don't want to look what is beyond that we could see today. But God wants us to look as far as we can look into the future. You know what I'm talking about? God wants us to look into the future. That's what at times we call it as a vision. God wants us to have that vision in our lives. God wants us to have the vision about our children in our lives. God wants us to have our vision about our future in our lives. You know, if we don't have that vision, if we are not able to look into the future, how we want to be four years down the line, 10 years down the line, how our life is going to be, God wants us to have that vision. But at times we see what is happening today and we fail to focus into the future. But this blind man who was willing to focus into the future. You know, that's the reason I believe these scriptures are written. I want to give a couple of scriptures and then we are going to pray. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18, this is what God said. 
God said, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of the old. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. You know, imagine this, let's again come back to this blind man. If this blind man would have been thinking about, I'm a blind man. I have not seen anybody. I just only hear things happening. And how this is going to be? And he was not really taking his life back to see a couple of years back what happened in his life. The reason why he became blind. The people, they were against him in his life. The reason why he was born blind, he was not really thinking about it. He was just moving forward and he was asking Jesus, Lord, I want my sight. I want my sight. And God says, do not remember the former things and nor consider the things of the old. You know, in your life, I just want you to think about how many times we really think about what really happened in our past. And we get discouraged at times. Don't we? We look at our past and we get discouraged, Lord. Why such things happen in my life, Lord? Why, Lord God, such things were allowed in my life? And Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Paul says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Paul very clearly says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. The blind man was not really considering about what status he was in and what he was holding on to and what is this condition on this earth, but he was willing to move forward and he started thinking about the things which are yet to come. You know, that's what again Paul writes in some other place. He says that you long for it. You get a hold of it. You get a hold of the, 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 the eternal life that is going to come in your life. Do not worry about what is happening in this world. And we don't want to turn back and see our past because our past is, you know, it's gone. It's gone. Whatever things happened in the past, it's all gone. It's not going to really help us anyway. It's not going to help us. And Paul says, set your minds on the things which are above. Not on the things which are of this world. The things, of this, things which are of this world is going to perish. Can you say that? It's going to perish, including our body. It's not going to be the same forever. Once it is thrown into the mud, and after a few days, few months, few years, nothing is left out. It's all gone. Paul says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. You know, when God has prepared something amazing for each and every one of us this evening, before I close, I just want you to focus. I just want you to narrow your focus. God has something which is beautiful, something which is amazing. I want you to believe this this evening. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 says, But as it is written, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9, But as it is written, I has not seen, 
Read this with me. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I want you to read this again. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You know, if you love God... If you are willing to follow, if you are willing for a change, if you are willing to throw the lesser for the greater, and if you are having focus into the future, and this is what God is telling you this evening. You have not seen what God has prepared. The blind man has not seen what is in front of him, but he was willing to venture into the future. And God is telling you this evening, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, not yet even entered into our heart of man. The things that God has already prepared for those who love God. If you truly love God, God will not leave you alone. If you truly love God, God is not going to be a debtor to you. God is going to bless you. Because Jeremiah 29, 11 says, Jeremiah 29, 11, the well-known scripture, for I know the thoughts that you have, you think toward you. Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. To give you a future and a hope. The blind man sitting at the side of the road, he realized that there is a future for me and there is hope for me. Now I want you to realize that God has a future for us. God has a hope he, because he has promised. He has promised. And we need to do three things. Number one, we should be willing for a change. We should be willing to be what? We should be willing to change. We should not desire to be what we are today. We should be willing to change. Number two, we should be willing to Lose the lesser for the greater. And number three, we should be willing to look into the future. Because the promises of God are there. When you look at the promises of God in your life, concerning your life, concerning your family, concerning your children, now that's where you find hope. That's where you find hope. And that's where you find future. And God wants us not to have a, you know, not to have a closer look, but God wants us to have a longer look to see those things which are yet to come in our lives. This evening we are just going to pray. Shall we all stand for a moment for a time of prayer?